Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you and it certainly is a good news story for the weather forecast for today and for looking like good news stories for most of the week because this wonderful dry warm weather is set to be with us right right across the week peaking with highs on Thursday and Friday could go to 19 degrees Celsius in some areas on Thursday and Friday and the forecasters are saying little chance of rain occurring during the week it will change though as we head into next weekend we'll go to slightly cooler conditions with the increased risk of uh, showers over the weekend but certainly Monday to Friday of this week wonderful warm weather get out and about and enjoy it in your garden please and a very good morning to you as we welcome you uh, along to Monday's edition of the programme my thanks to John Paul Sadie and Bernie uh, for filling in last week and it was one of those kind of strange weeks to be off in that I didn't do a lot Uh, I spent a lot of time in the garden and it was a glorious week again similar to what we're going to get this week the weather forecast changed at the weekend but certainly right across last week it it was lovely and it was just nice to get sort of leisurely lie-ins and to spend time cooking nice meals and just spending time with the family it was was just I have to say it was an enjoyable week off but just strange it just didn't you know normally when you're on holidays and I was due to be away I was due to actually be in Devon uh, for the week that had been the plan I was going away for uh, Easter but you know we're we're going to get used to I think to holidaying at home it's going to be a feature I think certainly for this year and for this summer and why not maybe some restrictions will be lifted and we'll be able to travel more than two kilometres I think that's the one that's catching a lot of people but we are seeing a flattening of the curve and that's the really good story that has come out of the last few weeks. Now what we now need to see and this was emphasised by the Minister for Health Simon Harris uh, last week. He said we need to see the number of new cases fall over the next two uh, weeks and if we can get to the end of this two week period where the, res- the restrictions remain in place, if we can see a fall in the number of new cases then we certainly can will start to see the country opening up somewhat. Now it's not going to be a suddenly we'll open the door on a Monday and everything is back to normal. It'll be nothing like that but I think we need to stay very focused on this two week period. We, we are seeing the results 
of what we've been doing over the last number of weeks. But I think there, there's no reason now to get complacent. I think that's the big danger. If people kind of say, yes, we're flattening the curve, everything's going well, numbers are, we still need to bring those numbers down, but nothing like what we were expecting it to be. And the fear is that people will just start getting complacent and then people will start saying, Ash, don't worry about those restrictions, we'll be fine. I think we need to stay very focused over this next two weeks and then hopefully at the end of this two weeks, which will bring us up to the May Bank holiday weekend, hopefully then the government will be able to look at the restrictions, ease them somewhat, maybe open some of the smaller businesses. I think a big one for the people who are cocooning and they are the ones who are just doing the most amazing job, cocooning and minding themselves. The majority, not all, there are still some elderly people out and about, but you're always going to get some people who will just decide, no, those rules are not for me and I'm going to do my own thing. But the majority of the over 70s are staying indoors and they, to me, are the real heroes because it's been really difficult for them as well, particularly some of the very active over 70-year-olds 70, 70 who normally used to be out having long walks uh, every day and out for their exercise and suddenly they're contained and they, they can't move you know, beyond if they've got a large garden they might be able to get some exercise inside, inside the garden and some of the over 70s are finding it really, really difficult. So my gut instinct would tell me that one of the restrictions maybe, maybe in two weeks' time would, would be allowing the over 70s <coughs> excuse me, to go out for walks and maybe that two kilometre zone might kick in for the over 70s. Maybe that's something that people would like to see. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, the under 70s, I think a lifting of the two kilometre rule, it's been very difficult not being able to get out and about and uh, see families. But I think restrictions like we are seeing, the no visitor restrictions, they certainly are going to remain in place across all of our hospitals and all of our nursing homes. And there is the most fantastic photograph in today's Irish Daily Mail. Now we've seen many of these photographs crop up since the pandemic started but this is to do with, it's from Killarney in County Kerry, a lady by the name of Maura Burns and she's a patient in the Bon Secure Hospital in Tralee. Is she in Killarney or in Tralee? Anyway, she's in, in Bon Secure in, in Kerry and her family came to the window of the hospital where she's staying and there's a photograph of her with her hand out in utter delight at seeing her relatives and there's four very happy faces pressed up against the window waving at her. It's just absolutely delightful and seemingly poor Maura hasn't had it's the first time she's seen visitors since she went into hospital at the end of February. She had been in another hospital but then got moved to the Bon Secures and she managed to get a downstairs room so it means now that her family can visit her and it's, it's through the window but at least she's able to get to see them and it, and it really is gorgeous and I know there's been many of those pictures uh, we've seen a lot of those uh, pictures crop up on social media and in newspapers but that one particularly caught my eye today so I suppose we just need to stay focused over the next two weeks and remember we're all in this together and it's everybody doing their bit it's everybody sticking to the rules of the two kilometre rule when you need to go shopping only go when you need to get the essentials bring your shopping list with you and actually it's the one thing I've certainly started doing and I've noticed when you're out and about the number of people that you see in supermarkets with shopping lists but queuing outside a supermarket is certainly something very alien to all of us but something that we're all just getting used to again 
across last week while the weather was fine. It's okay to be standing around outside. We mightn't like to queue, but I think we're just going to have to get used to it. But I think if we get very nasty weather or if we were in a situation that we were heading into winter or into Christmas, can you imagine queuing outside the supermarket coming up to Christmas? But I think social distancing is going to remain with us until we have a vaccine and we're certainly not going to have a vaccine until at the very least next year. So I think the way we live at the moment and the way we are adapting, we're just going to have to get used to it. But I think we are getting used to it and if we do really well over these next two weeks I think you know some of the restrictions will be eased and we might get back to some kind of little bit of normality but all passengers arriving from overseas this is a front page story on the Irish Independent are going to be asked to register uh, and they're going to be asked when they get off the plane where they're going to be for the next two weeks where's going to be where are they going to be self-isolating uh, and these are under plans that are now being considered they're not in place yet but they're being considered by the government and obviously stricter rules on people coming into our ports coming into our airports are now going to be examined and this was a big story that broke last year with the almost 200 workers who arrived full from Bulgaria and the fruit pickers and they came in to pick fruit in for Keelings in County Dublin last week. Now the proposals would involve those arriving into the country being asked to register the name and the location where they will self-isolate for the next fortnight and that will be in line with public health guidance. Temperature checks on passengers arriving at the airport that's also they're looking at that that isn't in place at the moment but it's something that they're going to consider but they also will need to have an address so that authorities can check to make sure that the person is where the person is meant to be and where they are quarantining which I have to say is what they are doing in other countries. I know certainly in China, when you arrive, if you arrive in China, you have to give them a name and address. The address has to have a landline and you can be phoned up to five times a day to make sure that you're at that number. They won't accept a mobile number. It has to be a, a landline. Uh, other countries, you literally get off the plane. I know for if you arrive into Australia, and there's very few flights going into Australia, but if you arrive into Australia, you're taken straight from the plane and you're put into a hotel and you're made to quarantine there for the two weeks and you can't leave that hotel room for the two weeks and you regularly check your temperature etc to make sure that you're not showing any signs or uh, symptoms. So that's something that could also be looked at certainly on people coming into Dublin because we have that self-isolating unit in City West. Remember the 1000 bed facility? Don't know if that's been widely used or if many people are staying in that particular self-isolation centre. So we do have at least one of those in Ireland where people could be Uh, sent to. Now all of these proposals are going to be up for consideration. It's a meeting of the Cabinet, their subcommittee on COVID-19 going to be held today. No decision has been made yet but it's what some of the plans so what's been mooted and spoken about so we can expect to hear more about that uh, today and of course the numbers in this country of people dying from COVID-19 sadly uh, 39 people was the figure for uh, yesterday and our death toll now stands at 610 uh, people but I think the Taoiseach has come under the government have come under a lot of pressure because of that flight from uh, Bulgaria last week and I know 
the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan came out quite strongly uh, about it as did a number of other politicians asking you know how and why a large number of people could be brought into this uh, country especially when the rest of the country we've been asked not to move more than two uh, kilometres. Now we've been told that the workers that have come in they did they didn't have their temperatures checked when they arrived in Ireland but Keelings say that all of them were checked before they got on the plane in Bulgaria before they came to Ireland and they've all now gone into 14 days uh, quarantine and they won't be at work for the next uh, 14 days and their movements will be uh, restricted. Heather, Heather Humphreys the business minister says while she's accepting that there were serious concerns about these workers coming into the country, she says they are essential workers because they are used to put food into the food supply chain. So the product that's, that they will be picking will all or could end up eating at, at some stage. And essential workers, if you look up the list of essential workers, farmers and farm workers are down as essential workers during the COVID-19 crisis. Now, Heather Humphreys did she was speaking at the weekend she did say that Keelings had advertised for 900 jobs they did put up that they were looking for workers so and 900 jobs they need to fill I mean this is only one flight that's come in from Bulgaria they're going to obviously have more flights coming in if they can't get Irish workers so they advertised and said look we have jobs as fruit pickers they advertised here in Ireland and 40 people applied uh, for that and of course Heather Humphreys is making the point if the food isn't picked it rots in the uh, ground and then that could have a knock-on effect we wouldn't have any strawberries or any other fruit and that's what Heather Humphreys is saying that the fruit has to be uh, picked. Now the government is also rowing in on the recruitment side of it because they are planning a national recruitment campaign to recruit a large number of temporary workers for the horticultural sector and they're hoping to do it from the live register. Now at the moment Heather Humphreys has pointed out that we have 800,000 people on income support because of COVID-19. So she said if you have that many people uh, signing on why did only 40 people apply for these jobs? Now she did sort of talk about the fact that she reckons that you know for some people who have and I keep saying have been temporarily laid off that they're probably afraid if they go picking fruit how is that going to impact on their social welfare for a payment. We know that fruit picking doesn't come with a very high pay. I think did somebody say it's is it ten euro an hour? It's probably around uh, the minimum uh, wage. But you know, people will be thinking, well look, when my old job reopens, I'm going straight back into my old job. If I sort of come off the live register, come off my COVID nineteen payment, go pick fruit, what happens then? You know, if I get a phone call on a Friday to say your job is back on Monday. So you know you, you can see why some people might be slow about giving up the COVID nineteen pay, payment and actually going to work picking fruit. Now she's also saying that there are other people who probably would love the idea of just getting up every day and going to work and do, doing something. But it's tough tough work. I mean you speak to anyone who has ever gone to countries like Australia where in order to extend get a second year out of your visa you have to go and work on a farm and go fruit picking and they will tell you it is back breaking work and it's one of the reasons that we've always brought in this isn't new what Keelings have done by bringing in this group from Bulgaria I mean, I'm assuming, well, I'm not assuming, I know that the strawberries that get picked from Wexford, for example, that we buy on the side of the road, they're picked by people who come in from Eastern European countries as well. It's because Irish people don't want to do the jobs 
backbreaking work and it doesn't pay very well. I mean, the fact that Keelings is based in County Dublin, I mean, other than if you lived at home with Mammy and Daddy and had a place to live, there's not many people I think could survive on the pay that you would get picking fruit and have to pay for accommodation in Dublin. And certainly during the boom, when we know the, the cost of accommodation in Dublin. So I can understand why they're bringing in pickers to come from outside countries to come over here. They work and the pay that they're getting, while to us it mightn't seem like a lot of money, coming from a country like Bulgaria, it's it's a higher pay than what they would get in their own country. So it's kind of understandable uh, why people come from some of the Eastern European countries. But we do have a problem. How do we get Irish people to do these uh, jobs? Uh, by the way, there's also a change afoot. And this is a move to extend the way we are testing for coronavirus and the criteria for testing uh, in that now we're going to start testing people who've been in contact with somebody who had the infection. And this is the hope to try to get a wider picture on the spread of the disease. A significant percentage of people who have the virus do not have any obvious symptoms. Now, currently what we've been doing up to now, it's only people who have symptoms after being in contact with the person who've tested positive has been tested. But the HSC's chief, Paul Reid, is coming out and saying there's now around a thousand laboratory tests for coronavirus underway daily. 60% have been done in Ireland. The remainder have been done in Germany. 11,500 swabs were taken from people in priority groups. They were the ones suspected of having the infection last week. We now don't have a backlog of tests. All the tests are now up to date. But what's really important in order for us to try to lift some of the restrictions is we need to have real-time surveillance of the spread of the virus if we're to ease any of the restrictions. We need to know that if you've if you are in contact with somebody who, who has tested positive for COVID-19, we need to get to a stage where you can be tested straight away that day to be told yay or nay, you have it. Because what's been happening at the moment is if you come in contact with somebody, they have to self-isolate for 14 days. You may not have, and many people have been in this situation, they didn't have COVID-19, but they've been out of work for 14 days because they've been told to self-isolate. In the ideal world, we would have real-time testing where you could walk in, have the test on, wait a few hours to be told, yes, you have COVID-19, now go home and self-isolate, or no, you don't have COVID-19, you're free to go back uh, to work. And that's, that will, that's definitely is something that we need to have in this country before we can see any easing of the restrictions. 18, so good to see that we're getting a step closer to that. Does anybody know our First Holy Communion's going ahead this year if no church is open and schools are not uh, open? Actually, I saw that the Bishop of Limerick has come out and they've cancelled all confirmations and all First Holy Communions for this year. So that's prompted us to get on to the Diocese of Cloyne and Cork and Ross just to find out what is happening here in Cork. I'm assuming that they're all going to be cancelled but let's wait to hear from the two bishops of the diocese so we have sent an email off to the two bishops just to find out have they made the decision yet or is it something that they're going to make a decision on and our listener is also looking for information on the Red Cross uh, the 500 euro grants they, and where people can get the forms. We're going to get onto the Red Cross. We'll probably end up doing an information piece this week with them because that to me was something I only heard about at the weekend. It's a fantastic scheme from the Red Cross and it's trying to keep people who are cocooning to keep them connected, people who might need things like updated phones or people who maybe don't have a tablet uh, just to get people to stay connected, very conscious and aware that some people who are cocooning can feel very isolated. So let that with us and it's something I promise you that we will deal with. We're also going to need to get on to 
to the National Lottery because Mary uh, says, Hi, I have a query about the winning streak great game. I have a number of three stars to send in but they're not recording the programme due to the coronavirus. What are we to do? Okay, I'm assuming that they're just going to extend all those games but leave that with us and we certainly will get get on to them and uh, see what they come back to us with. And Tim and Bandon, this is on people coming into this country and what's going to be discussed today by the Cabinet on making people self-isolate when they do arrive into this country and making sure that they're self-isolating not just assuming that if you say to somebody you're self-isolating with no checks we need to check up and make sure that when people arrive or that they fully understand what we mean by self-isolating and that they we need to find out where they're going to be for that two week period Tim and Bandit says we shouldn't have anybody coming in from overseas close the airports close the ferry ports to everyone only freight how in the name of God are we going to get rid of this virus if we have people coming in from infected reason, regions how can people travel that far from their homes when we're not allowed to travel any more than two kilometres? And then Tim talks about a traveller campers at the Curra. How are they allowed to disembark? Are they not? Are they? They're on army land. Why isn't the army sending them back to the ferry port? I'm unsure of what that particular story is, uh, Tim. The restriction rules should be equal for everyone. If we're not allowed to travel more than two kilometres from our home, it should be the same for people uh, coming in. Where does the government and politician stand with us or against us, says uh, Tim. Um, And okay, Tim's point is close the airports and the ferry ports only to freight and a lot of people have been saying that for quite some time and I know one of the reasons that they certainly can't close the airports uh, and I was reading up on figures only this morning on this there's a thousand Irish people still trying to get home still trying to be repatriated people are stuck in various countries all over the world and because those countries have locked down the airports there's no flights uh, going and some people are finding it really really difficult uh, to get home something like 5,000 people have been repatriated back to Ireland but there's still a thousand outstanding so it's one of the reasons that we can't completely close the country down while there's still Irish people trying to get back home and Tim is right we are an island we will always need to have freight coming in either by air or by sea for for our companies to get product out but also for, to get it back in but Tim I think a lot of people Tim will agree with you that the only thing coming in and out of our airports and uh, ports should be cargo 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Egg is Farlin. C103 Air Kirkig. She balancholic gunpowder mills count as the Furgan of Svarula is Simula Egurkig. Bunnyaches of Lien Shachtiak and Noha Kahar. Agas Punyak Vimas, Kadi Lewis Vihuish. Agas Akpunt of Oin Visuas Le Kuig Hiat Dine Egobers Namilte. Inchiter Skil Bioga, Fensail in Agents and Ochtu, Agas Nayuish Diag, Snafurgan of Shah, Perfader Fos Kurtuhurtaha. Hopork Regunach Valencholic and Palta Inish. Agas Oskata Dum Bubble. Last week, the government launched a new awareness raising campaign to emphasise that domestic and sexual violence support services are still here and very much available during the COVID-19 crisis. Welcoming the campaign, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and their CEO, Nolene Blackwell, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Nolene. 
You're, you're welcome to the programme. Thank now, you. Now, in normal times, Nolene, can it be difficult for a victim of domestic and sexual violence to reach out and get help, let alone during what we're going through with this pandemic? Yeah, so, so just to realise that as well. I mean, when you talk about rape and other sexual abuse, it's very hard for somebody to say it. It's the kind of thing you don't talk about to many people. Some people wouldn't talk about their, you know, their relationship to anybody, really, except their partner. So even in normal times, we find on the helpline, people can find it very difficult to say that they suffered sexual abuse, that they were raped. Um, And it can be hard for people to kind of get their heads around it and think about it, even in the best of times, even if you're outside the lockdown period. Yeah, and for those that are married, are in permanent relationships, to even use the word rape within a relationship, for some, they don't even realise what it is. It's, It's very, very hard. So there's two aspects to it. One is the breach of trust that's involved if a member of your own family abuses you. So... This happens, say, for children, if um, uh, a parent or um, an uncle or an aunt or somebody sexually abuses you. The the very thought of um, that that this could happen at all is very hard to get your head around. If you're in an adult relationship, the thought that your partner in whom you've put your trust will abuse you to that extent that you're going to, to say, my partner has raped me or has committed other forms of sexual abuse, really, really hard to do. And the other point about it is that rape and sexual abuse in family context is really an abuse of power. And the abuser in that case is very often messing with a person's head. Mm-hmm. So they're blaming them for it. They're saying, if you provoked me, um, you uh, you are obliged, you're my, you're my partner, um, I, I am entitled to sex, um, you you, uh, you provoked me. I wasn't in good form. You knew it. Uh, I was drunk. Um, I'm I'm in a bad place because my business is suffering. So many excuses that people will make to try and blame the person who is abused. And this is why we don't separate out. In this time, we recognise that sexual violence is one of the ways in which people can be abused within the family context and why we're glad to be part of this wider campaign with other with those working against other forms of domestic violence again because as sure as eggs are eggs someone who is abusing power will abuse it in whatever way is available to them so they they may very well be sexually abusing their partner there's a chance they're physically abusing them as well they're they're emotionally uh, blaming them uh, they could be restricting their funding we're already hearing of this we're hearing of people ex-partners who um are are uh, engaging in with withdrawing um and maintenance paying maintenance, or yeah, yeah. So, so the range in which people who have power over somebody else can abuse it is not confined to one form. But it is also easy for people who are abusing power like that to to say to people, "There's nobody out there. You're in isolation now. You're with me, or uh, I'm I'm the one you have to turn to." And that's what and this this campaign yeah, is all is, is exactly. all about. But can, but do you worry that during during this you know so called lockdown that some people will find it very difficult to physically be able to pick up a phone and get the yeah. space to look for help? Exactly, exactly. And it's not even just from partner abuse, because think about it, even if the sexual abuse or the rape happened outside your family, 
to, to phone about it while, you know, while there might be only a thin wall between you and the person in the next room to, to, to be able to make that contact can be quite hard. So we do worry about it. Um, we do recognise that this is going to be something where it's not all going to happen within it's not like, say, if you get COVID-19 and you have to go to hospital immediately. We think that there will be long-term implications. And this has been the pattern in other countries as well, where the extent of the sexual abuse and violence have not come through until people had more escape routes. Because right now, the normal escape routes for people, their capacity to go to work, their capacity to maybe to pop down to their sisters, uh, maybe even leave the children with a childminder and not to have to worry about them anymore. You know, those kind of things are missing at the moment. So we, we are really worried. But we are also finding that some people are contacting us and are a bit surprised that the helpline is still operating. So even if even if the only message we got out was no, the service is operating. We're very proud of our staff and volunteers who have lifted the whole service to operate remotely, well keep it going twenty four seven. Now I'm not looking for praise, really. Just like saying we're delighted we're able to do that. People are contacting us. People are complaining of isolation and anxiety or they're so worried about how to cope and you know they often all often what to help is to just be reminded of various ways to kind of cope even if it's as simple as catching your breath so and and then for other people to know that they're not going mad that it's not okay to be raped or sexually abused at home just because your partner is frustrated. This is not acceptable. And to get that to get that message out so that for those who can, and it won't be everyone, but some can, some will have freedom. We have people now who are popping out into the car just to make a call. Mm. Um, and people who are going for their bit of a walk and able to make the call, or someone else has gone for a bit of a walk and they're able to make the call. So it's not it's not perfect. We're not happy about it, but we do want to be sure that anyone who can access the service is able to do it. And that's the purpose of stillhere.ie and all the services listed there. I mean, the guards have also said, to be clear, they are not, they are not um, uh, going easy on domestic violence right now and that includes for domestic violence and sexual violence so the guards are still on the case Yeah and uh, it's important to point out that the two kilometre rule the two kilometre travel restriction and, and I know the government had to come out and emphasise this last week yeah. it doesn't apply to a person who was trying to escape harm Yeah uh, absolutely and the guards have been told this specifically as well yeah. so uh, so they so they should all be aware that that that, that is the perfect, uh, the, you know, that, that, they, that they know that perfectly because, uh, no, if you're fleeing harm, that two kilometre rule does not apply. Okay. And it's the Rape Crisis Centre, it's important to get your national helpline number out. 24 yeah. hours is 1800, so it's a free phone number 778888. 1 800 Okay. And let's... Sexual Violence Cork is still operating Absolutely. as well, and, uh, and, and their number will be there as well. Okay. Yeah. Listen, uh, Nolan, pleasure as always. How are you coping yourself? Are you, how are you getting on with lockdown? 
Yeah, so we're we're actually very busy with <laughs> with all the bits and pieces we're trying yeah. to do to try and make sure that the service is out there. But again, it is a great privilege to be able to do something because you know being not being able to do anything is nearly the worst uh, the worst thing going. So, okay. so we're able to do something, and and actually, it is really interesting how um, how people are now accessing services. So when we're in touch with people, um, and when we're in touch with our clients, they're so. Great grateful um, that we're there and that we're making the contact. But, it, you know, it's a total pleasure uh, to be able to do it. Funding, of course, is a problem, but at least the state services, too, have recognised that domestic and sexual violence are particular problems during this lockdown. And Tusla, for instance, have prioritised it as one of the areas that they're they're working on. So, so as best people can, and it is by no means perfect, but the services are continuing and hopefully people, hopefully, many people will be able to access them. And then for those who are carrying out abuse, remember the lockdown is going to end. There will be consequences mm. for those who are carrying out abuse. And it's their fault, Patricia. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. really should just stop doing it. Yeah. OK, listen, Nolene, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thanks, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Nolene Blackwell, who is the CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Uh, John Paul and Sadie taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. I'm calling on everyone to do what is asked of them, to be tolerant and compassionate to think about each other before we think about ourselves. Your decisions will save lives. What may be an inconvenience for some will be life-saving for others. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay at home. Thank you very much. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school, uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And can I just quickly uh, just explain again because I rushed that piece because I realised that Nolan Blackwell was on the line on the fuel allowance uh, somebody was on because her mother didn't receive the fuel allowance and thought that the fuel allowance has been extended the fuel allowance has been extended because of COVID-19 and uh, there's extra payments being made I think it's an extra five weeks in 
total is what's, is what's been paid out and people who've been getting the fuel allowance in two, in two lump sums were worried that they wouldn't be getting it but they are going to get it they'll get an extra it's extra four weeks so my apologies that the 98 euro has been paid if you haven't received it yet and you you get it you're an old age pensioner for example or you're on a widow or widow's pension and you get a lump sum you will get it in your state pension when you're paid this Friday on the 24th of June and for people who get it weekly because benefit payments are now gone fortnightly some fortnightly payments paid during the week commencing the 7th of April that was last week only contained one week's fuel allowance so people should get the extra fuel allowance in their benefit payments by the 8th of May and it applied I'm told in particular to disability allowance deserted wives allowance and incapacity supplement and all other people on weekly payments will get the extra four weeks fuel allowance in their next two payments from the April the 3rd on so that would have been April the 13th that would have been last week and this week and the plan is that everyone should have the additional fuel allowance you all should have it by Friday the 8th of May but don't worry you are going to get the money that you are entitled to. Now a number of people picking up on the story that I mentioned at the top of the programme it's a front page story actually from the Irish Independent that the government now are considering putting restrictions in place for people coming in to this country. They're talking I mean, I mean they're even talking about things like taking uh, temperatures, taking people's temperatures which is what happens in other countries but in particular they're looking at asking all passengers that they must self-isolate for the next fortnight and they need to give the authorities tell them exactly where they're going to be so that the authorities can check up on them and of course this is all because of the fruit pickers coming in from Bulgaria for Keelings last week. This is really what has kicked this all off and people are still not happy about it. Uh, John in Ballyvorney says I won't be buying Keelings products in the future. We're doing our best to keep this COVID-19 out and they and our government do this to us. Simon Coveney and his friends should hang their heads in shame that the ports and airports are allowing people in. Patricia says Tony, why are people allowed to enter the country, be it by plane or by we are supposedly in lockdown and people are still coming in. Look at the members of the travelling community, 25 families in their caravans who came in by ferry and have now set up in the Curra. We must be the laughing stock of the world. A number of people actually are talking about that story. Somebody who signs themselves a very upset C103 listener says, Patricia, I cannot understand how Keelings could bring the workers in. But what I will never understand, oh no, sorry, I can somewhat understand why Keelings brought in the workers because they needed to have their fruit picked but I will never understand says this texture how ferry loads of travellers with caravans are allowed into this country and then they're allowed to set up an illegal camp in the Corrar and in other places around the country it beggars belief that this was al- allowed with absolutely no social distancing or no quarantine to be seen I mean why do we bother they are making a laughing stock of all of the good people in this country and that's signed by somebody who is a very upset C103 uh, listener. And Tim says, I wonder if Heather Humphreys will be known as the strawberry blonde. What kind of a test do the Bulgarians have before they left their own country? I cannot see the result of tests coming back in Bulgaria as quickly as they do here in Ireland. Well, I think what was said was they, they were tested in that their temperatures were taken before they got on the plane because we're not checking temperatures when we get into this country as of now. Now, whether that will change because we have this Cabinet Subcommittee on COVID-19 meeting that's going to, it's all going to be discussed today and whether 
it'll be decided at that that the temperatures will be taken of everybody arriving in this country uh, only time will uh, tell and someone else is back oh this is when I mentioned the reason that we can't close the ports and airports because we have about a thousand people this is the figures I read this morning we have about a thousand Irish people who are still trying to be repatriated they're in other parts of the world and they're trying to get back since the pandemic happened and countries started to lock down their various airports and flights were stopping. About 5,000 people have been repatriated to Ireland but there's still a 1,000 outstanding that the various agencies around the world are trying to help them to try to get them back at home. Uh, somebody says people who are stranded should be left stranded. They were given time to come back. Some stupid people left the country during the restrictions. Not our problem anymore. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We are hoping to speak with uh, Leaving Cert students, just to hear it from a Leaving Cert student about how they're coping with the uncertainty around the state exams this year. I mean, the last we've heard is that the exam is the Leaving Cert exams, Junior Cert's not going to go ahead, but the Leaving Certificate exam is going to go ahead, but it's going to be extended into July or August. And then I saw a piece in the Irish Times last week that's saying that the exam could actually be pushed out until September. So there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, around it. And we are, as I say, hoping to speak with a Leaving Cert student just what it's like to be a Leaving Cert student with all of that uncertainty uh, still going on. And I've just had a text in from Anna asking me to mention that parents, if you have a son or daughter who's doing, due to do the Leaving Cert this year, 2020, Parents are asked to go to the National Parents Council post-primary website because they are conducting a survey of which the closing date is tomorrow. So they're asking parents, please, if you haven't already filled in the survey, they're just trying to get the concerns and the attitude from parents as to how they feel about the Leaving Search 2020. So you can go to the National Parents Council post-primary website, MPC pp.ie National Parents Council postprimary.ie and complete the survey on changes to the state exams 2020 survey as I say the closing date is tomorrow thank you to Anna for sending that on to us and um, no doubt we'll speak with the National Parents Council when they have the results of that survey it'll be interesting to hear what the parents have to say about this year's exams now the HSC we've been hearing this this morning on our news service with Barry has confirmed that at least two residents of Clonakil to Community Hospital died after contracting COVID-19. The Irish Examiner are reporting that other residents and staff members have also tested positive and a team of experts have been drafted in to handle the outbreak. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, joins me with more on this story. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. And I suppose to start by offering our deepest, deepest sympathies to the families on this very sad, sad uh, loss. Have we any indication, Fiona, at this stage of the scale of the outbreak at Clan Hospital? Uh, no, Patricia. The Irish Independent uh, or the Irish Examiner has reported this morning that there were two deaths in recent weeks at Clonakilty Community Hospital. Now, I um, requested a statement from the HSC this morning and I got one and they said that you know, they didn't confirm the actual number of deaths at the hospital. They just said that um, a number of residents had passed away recently due to COVID-19. Um, and they had said that all residents and staff have been tested 
and they said that they can confirm that there is a level of COVID-19 infection at Clonakilty Community Hospital. So we know that some people have um, tested positive, but they haven't actually said how many. Now, we do know that some staff members have tested positive and that they are on leave. But um, management say that additional staff have been redeployed to continue to provide the level of care that was being provided there. Um, so we know from that statement that um, some people who tested positive were staff and um, we also know that some were residents as well. And we of course the problem... The, the level of infection. Okay, and of course the problem with Clonakilty Hospital, it's an old building, an older facility, so they would have multi-occupancy rooms. That's right, yeah. And I suppose it's the situation that we've heard in so many residential care centres and nursing homes right across the country where, you know, they may have um, a number of people, a number of occupants, a number of residents in the same room. And, um, you know, of course, um, this the, the disinfection then was spread a lot quicker in those circumstances. Now, they haven't actually said in the statement um, that that um, any residents have been moved out of rooms. But what they have said is that um, staff are providing every possible comfort and reassurance to residents and their loved ones. And they said that a number of uh, measures have been implemented to protect both the residents and staff. And one of those is that um, a, a, an expert outbreak control team has been conf- convened. And that consists of um, experts from the Department of Public Health, Department of Occupational Health, Infection Prevention and Control, consultant geriatricians and general practitioners. And they've all visited the hospital and they're working with staff and management to ensure that um, there's a high standard of care uh, maintained there. And um, like I said, the staff who are on leave have been replaced by other members of staff so that there isn't a shortage of staff in, in the hospital. Uh, but it'd be this news just devastating for everybody involved. I mean, as, as I mentioned, I mean, you mm. know, f- t- to the families, first of all, but for the staff working there, I mean, it's, it's a facility I know quite well. Many of the residents would have been in Clonakilty Hospital for many years and, you know, relationships have developed between staff mm. and patients. They almost become like family. So to, you know, to hear of at least two residents have passed away. That would be just devastating news for everybody involved in the hospital. Devastating. And it's such a sudden death as well. It's not like, you know, that people have had months to prepare for this and and to say their goodbyes. And a lot of situations we've heard of in other places that, you know, family members couldn't be at the bedside of their loved ones when they passed away. Um, And, you know, often in these cases, it may have been the healthcare workers who were there with the person, with the resident and they would have been the last person with them when they died. And obviously that's going to take a toll mentally on people. And um, also there's obviously a huge amount of concern for people who may have um, elderly relatives in that home. And you know, there's the fear that they may contract the virus. And if they do, what's going to happen? And also for staff as well who are working on the front line in the facility and in all facilities all over Cork and around the country, there is that worry that they may contract it themselves. Um, you know, so it's a very worrying time and it's a very upsetting time for people there. And they have asked the media to um, respect the privacy of the residents and staff, especially at this difficult time. Um, you know, so they're, 
they they want to just kind of get on with things and not have yeah and 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 people asking them and we know that there is a problem with clusters of outbreaks of COVID-19 at nursing homes all, all over the country and there's a lot of focus mm. and certainly the weekend a lot of focus and a lot of attention on uh, nursing homes including the news that you know teams have been sent out to do testing at nursing homes do we know if residents and staff at the hospital at Clonacilty Hospital have now all been tested? Yeah, they said in the statement that they have all been tested. Um, It said all residents and staff have been tested for COVID-19. Their results are private and confidential, but we can confirm that there is a level of COVID-19 infection at Clonakilty Community Hospital. Um, So I suppose um, all residents and staff have been tested. Now, it doesn't say whether they were tested after these deaths or whether they were tested before these deaths happened. But as it stands at the minute, all residents and staff have been tested. And, um, you know, we, we know that some of those people who were tested have, did come back with a positive result. Um, but they're not telling us how many um, of those people came back with a positive result. But they did say that there is a level of infection there. So um, we, we just don't know at this stage whether there was a lot of people or whether it was just one or two. Okay. All right. As I say, once again, our sympathies to the families and our thoughts with everybody uh, associated at the hospital. Listen, thank you for that, Fiona. And thank you for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. 1850-333-103. I can see a question coming in for Annalise Drissel. Keep those coming, Annalise. Uh, We'll be joining us after half past 12 uh, today on fruit pickers coming from Bulgaria. And Heather Humphreys making the point that with 800,000 people now signing on for a COVID-19 payment, she said she was taken aback that when Keelings advertised the jobs, only 40 Irish people came forward saying they would be willing uh, to do uh, the job. Um, she, the Marie says, I hope this message finds you well. The majority of Irish people are not too lazy to work. It's just people are staying at home in order to stop the spread of the virus. Also, Heather Humphrey's comment in relation to getting people on the live register to work on these farms. Is that not flying in the face of staying at home and stopping the spread of the virus? I also signed up for the Ireland on call uh, campaign. Um, thanking you very much. That's from uh, Marie. Um, yeah, you're you're right. And I mean, obviously, these jobs are in Dublin, so it would only they'd only would be aimed at people who lived in the Dublin area. You couldn't have people travelling, even though you can travel outside of the two kilometres in order uh, to go to work. And as has been pointed out to us, working on a farm and fruit picking is deemed an essential service because if you go down through the essentials, the essential the essential workers list uh, farmers and farm workers are classed um, as that but yeah I don't think people are lazy but I do think people are very conscious about staying within the confines of the, of your of their, your own home and the two kilometre rule and Marie I'm also interested when you say I signed up uh, for the Ireland on call uh, campaign have you been called up uh, yet because I did hear was it on Virgin Media on uh, over the weekend they were saying that I think it was according to the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation that only six nurses who had answered the Ireland on call are actually working on the front line because I mean we there was such good positive news stories about the amount of people who signed up to Ireland on call which did go to something like 40,000 people many of them packed in jobs overseas to come home doctors and nurses and I wonder how many of them 
are actually working. I mean, thankfully, we haven't had this peak of COVID-19 and please God, we never will. But what has happened to all of the people who've signed up to the Ireland on Call? How many of them are actually working? And I wonder, has preference been given to the people who came in, you know, gave up jobs overseas and came back? Have they been given jobs first? We must try and dig a bit deeper and find out a little bit more about those uh, figures. But thank you, Marie. But I'd be interested to hear from you the fact that you have signed up for Ireland on Call, thus proving that you're certainly not lazy. You are willing to work. Have you had a job offer yet? And a North Cork listener says, uh, Patricia, um, campers and camper vans and cars coming into Rosslare and Dublin ports, surely they should all be stopped immediately. All of those camper vans have toilets, sinks and showers, etc. on board, which will have to be discharged into camping sites or wherever they are based. This is a most urgent situation and we need to stop people coming into our country. Our TDs and local representatives need to be working on it immediately. I mean, if you're talking about holidaymakers, I don't think there are any holidaymakers coming into this country. I mean, there has been. It's not that there's we, we've stopped them. I think just people have stopped travelling. I mean, certainly a lot of our holidaymakers would have come from mainland Europe and it would have come over from England and nobody's going on holidays at the moment so I mean if they're the camper vans you're talking about and going on to camping sites most of the camping sites are actually closed at the moment is that going to change in the summer only time will tell 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 C103 Jobs a production operator is wanted for food industry that's in the West Cork area. Previous experience would be an advantage. Cleaners are wanted for immediate start in the Mallow Bantry in Castle Island area. It's four hours per evening from 8pm to 12 midnight. And two positions are available to join an existing agri-sales team that's in the North Cork area. Send a cover letter and a CV to info at uh, farmcoagritrading.com um, You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. 
Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, one of the most heartbreaking aspects of the coronavirus pandemic has got to be the stories from families that we're hearing all over the world who were not able to be with their loved ones at the time of death due to COVID-19 restrictions. Well, the Irish Hospice Foundation is now recommending to the HSC that one family member be allowed with every person who's dying in hospital or indeed any other care setting. CEO of the Irish Hospice Foundation is Sharon Foley, who uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sharon. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, there's only one chance to get end-of-life care right. Can it be devastating for families if they think that their loved ones uh, are dying alone? I think it I think it is. And, and so much about COVID-19 is wrong. And we know that. We know that all the efforts the staff would normally do at end of life and the staff were trained to do they a lot of those they can't do in in, in all of our experience in working with staff in hospitals and all care settings generally they would would try to enable families to be supported at end of life um, and also to be there with the relative as they die so it really goes against the grain and when you ask people when you ask people what they want at end of life they say well, I want to be surrounded by my loved ones by my family and that's I think it's an almost universal fear that we have that we would die alone and not, not have our loved ones with us, both for the person who's dying and for the, the bereaved relative as well. So everybody feels that instinctively that you should be with somebody at end of life. But so much about COVID has challenged that and really challenged how we do dying in hospitals and how we do grief and, and, and bereavement. Um, and it is very challenging for everybody. I think we absolutely appreciate the huge challenges that are facing healthcare staff and in no way would we like to undermine anybody in, in the, the hospitals. But equally, we want to speak for the person who's dying and we want to acknowledge the sacrifice that families are making as well. They're not able to visit their, their loved ones. They're not there, able to be there at the bedside as they die. So our recommendation is that if at all possible, if one person, one family member can be with the person as they die. And we appreciate that. That will take a lot of work and it takes a lot of work for very stretched healthcare staff because it means they have to help the relative put on or don in the doff that PPE that we're all talking about. Mm. So that takes a bit of time and effort. But if at all possible, it really is the best thing that could be done for a dying patient. Yeah, because even in those weeks leading up to uh, end of life, people are being really understanding, aren't they, about the strict no visitor rule? They are being very understanding. And the reason the hospitals are putting in place is because of the risk of infection, not just for the the the, 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 the staff, but also for the, the visitor, for the family. And often, if you think of it, if it's a, particularly if it's an elderly patient who's dying, they're often cared for by elderly, patient, by elderly family members, and they're at risk too. So there's very, very real reasons why the, the HSC and the Department of Health have put in that guidance. And generally, families are abiding by that. And it's, it is a big sacrifice. And I think we all appreciate the sacrifice that they're making at this very, very difficult time. Yeah, and I mean, we're th- I only mentioned it earlier. There's been some gorgeous photographs gone up on social media, and there's a lovely one in the newspaper today from Killarney of an elderly woman inside in bed, and her family are outside the window. She managed to get a ground floor room, and they're waving in at her. They 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 can't visit her. 
Yes, yes, we're seeing all of that. And what you're seeing there, and, and that's our, our third recommendation we made to the Department of Health and the HSC and all of the care staff, is if there is absolutely no visiting allowed for infection control reasons, then we would really recommend that care settings are use very proactive ways to try and ensure there's a connection between families and patients. And we're seeing that. And we're seeing and we're hearing about an ICU of staff connecting up families via mobile phones and Skype and video calls and WhatsApp calls. All of that, they're uh, starting memorial books. They're doing lots of things because really staff want to make the best effort they can for patients at end of life. So we're seeing these really creative solutions to enable those connections. And that's great to see that. We'd encourage all healthcare settings to try and do as much as that as possible. And we even have online, we've developed a, in the Hospice Foundation, we've developed a care and inform hub with lots of tools for healthcare professionals, lots of uh, prayers and poems and ideas to connect families or to talk to, to, to the loved one um, um, as they're in, in bed. Yeah, I, and I was I was looking at uh, I saw one of your care and inform uh, videos online about for health workers delivering bad news because for many in the healthcare they're dealing with situations you know we keep talking about this is unprecedented times for many nurses and care workers they've never dealt with a lot of these situations before. Yes and no. Yes and no. But our experience is that the healthcare staff are dealing with dying, death and bereavement all of the time. So they have a lot of those skills there in, 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 inherent. They have that there. And the, the breaking bad news is about taking just a pause to stop, to ground yourself, to be present, to think, what am I doing? Because for that family, for that family, this is their one and only chance. So we might be dealing with dying, death and bereavement every day, all day. But for that family, this is so profound. This is so in the now. This is so big. It's so big for them because it's their loved one who's dying. So it's about stopping, pausing and just really taking time to think about what is the news I'm telling this family member? What is, you know, it might be about no visiting or it might even be that your relative has died. It's about breaking that bad news and doing it in the way that is as sensitive as possible. Well done, well done. And how's the hospice movement, uh, Hospice Foundation, Sharon? How are you uh, coping with everything that's going on? I mean, I hate to mention the dirty word of finance, but uh, fundraising and all of that, I mean, is that all grinded to a halt? That will have ground to a halt for pretty much every charity in the country, but that's not the most important thing that we're thinking at the moment. The most important thing we're thinking at the moment is what do the Irish public need? What do the healthcare staff need? What do families need? What do people all over Ireland need? And it's about making sure we respond to those needs. So that's what we're trying to do at the moment. In the Hospice Foundation, because we can't send materials out, we've developed a a care and uh, inform hub for families. So there's advice there on organising a funeral, about grieving in exceptional times, about supporting children and teenagers and also resources there for, for healthcare workers. So we're trying to do as best we can that we're fulfilling the needs that are being presented to us and we're hearing stories all over Ireland of very, very sad stories, very, very difficult stories but I think we're all coming together to, to help support each other as best we can. Well done, well done. Listen, uh, Sharon, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Sharon Foley, who is CEO of the Irish Hospice uh, Foundation. If you want to uh, check out, they have that series of resource guides uh, on their web page and care and inform. Uh, There's some really great resources there. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. 
Doctors can save hundreds of lives during this pandemic, but you can save thousands. We are making a massive national effort, and yes, it is going to take us longer. But the hard days you've already put in are putting us in a much better place than we had feared. And hard days for a bit longer are so worth it for better days ahead. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. The COPE Foundation, the organisation that supports people with disabilities here in Cork, is on a mission to keep people it supports connected to the community they are missing during the COVID-19 crisis. To explain more, I'm joined by Avril Keating, who is a clinical nurse manager with the COPE Foundation. Good morning to Avril. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Well, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, with day services closed, can some people with disabilities, especially those with intellectual disabilities, can they feel very isolated? Absolutely, Patricia. I suppose we're all feeling isolated a little bit at the moment. And I suppose we have to acknowledge that, you know, we um, in in co-foundation, like we, 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 are as far west as Skibbereen and as far north as Mitchellstown. And, like, we have centres throughout Cork City um, and County. And, like, in reality, I suppose over 2,500 people are supported by us on a daily basis. So, as you can imagine, some of these people are still in in, in residences um, throughout Cork City and County, but an awful lot of them are at home. So we have to acknowledge how difficult it is for these people at home, you know, with their loved ones. And can can it be confusing that they they can't understand why their routine has changed and they're not going out every day to see their friends and their peers, etc.? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I suppose, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the decision uh, wisely was taken um, to stop visitors and to stop people going home and for day centres to close. And as we have seen, I suppose, in the past couple of weeks, it has been a wise decision to cocoon these people who are very vulnerable at the best of times. But yeah, absolutely, they're isolated. But I suppose the ones that are in residence with us are lucky because they are supported by, you know, the wonderful, versatile, creative staff, you know, in co-foundation. But again, as you said, it is difficult for the people at home and um, some of the, the day services staff have been, you know, reaching out and doing the best that they can to to support the people at home, you know. they, But, it's, you know, it's not always possible for us to stay in touch and to support them. And those, of course, but even those in the residential settings, I mean, I'm assuming there's visitor restrictions. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the visitors' restrictions were put in a number of weeks ago. So, you know, people are able to come to the windows, Patricia, and, and wave in. But, you know, That's hard. Glass. it's very difficult. And it's difficult yeah. for us as well, because as staff members, because, you know, we were used to, you know, people coming in and, and, and being able to, you know, it was their second home, I suppose, really, for a lot of the residents. I mean, some of them have families. Some of them don't have families. Um, so, you know, it was very difficult for their families not to be able to come and see them, for them not to see their families. Um, we've been doing the best we can, Patricia. Well done, we have well some, you know, we, there is technology out there. We have some technology. We, you know, we've been FaceTiming and, and, and WhatsApping people. But, you know, I suppose, as you said already, we're on, we're on a mission to, to uh, get, some, get some money in. We actually have um, an awful lot of fundraising events happening at the moment. But one of the biggest ones is this um, idonate.ie, um, who I miss. 
and um, you, you and the know, plan is is to is to use technology more and to buy i tablets and things is it absolutely yeah I mean the staff have been wonderful they've been allowing um residents to use their 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 phones and their iPads and that but again we there isn't enough technology and um yeah we're trying to raise money so that you know they'll be able to see their families just the same as as the rest of us are keeping in yeah. touch with people around the, the world you know this is you know and we don't we don't have the, that technology um so there's a, as a a massive fundraising going on at the moment which you know has been quite successful to date but, well done uh, and of course as with we had the Irish Hospice Foundation on only a couple of minutes ago of course all fund, traditional fundraising has ground to a halt in that you know you can't organise table quizzes or you know have car drives or anything like that so you are relying on people to simply say this is a great charity this is a great cause and asking people to donate money through the I Donate yeah this is it and I mean people have been wonderful so far but I suppose uh, Patricia what, what I would say is like that you know because COPE is such a big organisation that you know people throughout I suppose in every village and town in Cork they're touched in some way by COPE Foundation you know there's there's people either working in COPE or the people we support are from these towns and villages and you know look in the past people of Cork are very giving. They always have been and they've been wonderful to us in COPE. I'm in COPE a very long time and the fundraising has been going on a long time. But, you know, people always dig deep for, for us, really. You know, they, they I suppose they can see their own families or their own friends in either the people that we support or the people that are working there. And we're, we're hoping that, you know, we can continue this momentum, even though people aren't seeing us out in the streets or, you know, they're not seeing the, the table quizzes in the local bar or whatever, you know, it's still going on in the background. Yeah, so yeah. We're relying on technology as well. So, you know, we're we're hoping that people will, you know, click and click into the, the, the links that are there and, and donate. And, and it's, uh, it's idonate.ie and your campaign is called... Who I miss. Who I miss. Who I miss. Are you concerned, Avril, also for families who must be under, um, some will be under a lot of pressure? I mean, because respite has stopped and daily life is very different. It absolutely is. It, it's it's very difficult for everybody. I mean, you know, if you were used to your, your son or your daughter or your brother or sister, you know, coming into COPE, you know, they were being activated in COPE on a daily basis. You know, they were getting up in the morning. They had a sense of purpose, a sense of routine, and that's all gone. And it's, it is very difficult for people. Now, the staff have been amazing. You know, people from day services have been reaching out and, again, you know, tr- trying to get in contact with people. People are, you know, the home support team is, is still is still in action. But, no, the physical, actual, somebody coming in to stay with us and respite, that, that's, that's been um, stopped for, for a number of weeks. And so we don't know when it's going to open back up either, Patricia. That's yeah, I can just the, see a question. I can just see somebody saying, has Avril any idea when the day services will reopen? I mean, you're very much reliant on the government and the lifting of restrictions. Isn't, isn't, isn't that this where you're at? This is it. Yes, exactly. We're governed by, you know, the, the rules and regulations that are out there. We have to abide by those. And to date, I suppose... You know, we're keeping people safe. We're keeping our staff safe. We're keeping the people we support safe. You know, it is the right thing to do, I think, Patricia. And I suppose it's a little bit scary to, you know, hear people saying that, you know, they're seeing people out and about and moving about that little bit more. I mean, the frontline staff in COPE have given up so much to, to keep people safe. 
and to ensure their you know that that everybody is safe you know we've we, we we've you know we've moved out of home people are you know visiting their families they're not seeing their friends we're limiting our contacts outside of work and to date you know it, it, it has been very successful i just hope that everybody you know, i know I, I mentioned that actually at the top of the program because i heard simon harris uh, talk about it as well i mean we are we have flattened the curve which is mm-hmm. fantastic but there is that danger, isn't there, that complacency will set in. I mean, this two weeks, this, you know, this continued two weeks of restrictions, it's vital that we stick to the game plan. Absolutely, 120%. I mean, I can't push it, I can't stress it enough, Patricia. I really, really can't. I mean, if we stick to it now, you know, a, short, a short-term pain can, you know, have a long-term gain, really, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, you know, if we can stick to it now, hopefully the restrictions can be lifted in a couple of weeks. And we know? can all get back to some kind, of, norm- some some kind of normality. Of normality. Yeah. It'll be a while, I think, before we're back to complete normal life, but some kind of a normality would be nice. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's very difficult. You know, I, I, I work in a, in a residential centre in, in, in the city here, and, you know, I would have a great relationship with the residents and it's really difficult that I can't you know just walk in and and hug them and sit next to them and have a chat and listen you know it's 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 very difficult that we have to keep you know keep our physical distance and you know try to provide the care as best we can without you know while still <laughs> obeying the rules you know it's, and it, can it that be difficult. hard to get that to explain that to somebody particularly with an, an intellectual disability uh, yeah it has been but I you know it's it's in simple terms you know if we can just actually you know show them that we're still there we're still present we're still trying to keep the routine as best we can but, you know we mightn't be able to give the hugs you know elbows have become you know very fashionable and you know shaking a leg and you know I suppose we have to keep it fun yeah, and they're yeah. seeing the news the same as everybody else Patricia and that that's quite daunting I mean it's daunting for ourselves when we can understand actually what's going on you know but um, it's it's trying to keep a routine trying to make them feel safe I think at the end of the day it's okay. really important Well listen stay safe because that is what it's all about um, Ashley. continue good luck with your fundraising idonate.ie who I miss is the campaign it's a wonderful and we are initiative. we actually are nearly at Target Patricia, but you know what targets are made to be broken yeah. we're always pushing the line yeah. out and you know people can leave a little message and you know all of us as staff we're all checking in there and we're seeing when people are leaving the message and we really 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 appreciate well done you know yeah, well so. done Keep Listen, thanks a million for joining okay. us, Avril. God thanks. bless. Take thanks care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Avril Keating, who is a clinical nurse manager with Cope Foundation. If you would like to donate to their campaign, just the use of technology and helping them to reach out uh, to their residents, uh, the Who I Miss campaign, and it's on idonate.ie. And the Mallow Meals on Wheels, Meals on Wheels, I think are playing a blinder all over the country, particularly for people that are cocooning. And the Mallow Meals on Wheels service. I think this is around the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. They announced that they were in the position to provide the service to the surrounding villages, not just Mallow. So they've extended out and they are they are willing to travel and to give meals on wheels to people in Donnerail, Drumahan, Ballyclaw, Kilavollen and New Tupot House. Uh, but what in order to extend the service, they're looking for a liaison person in each of the communities. They just want somebody who would be able to accept delivery of the meals in each village 
from that on meals on wheels and then to distribute them locally. I mean, you would be basically distributing them to, to your neighbours, your friends, people that you know. And the price per meal is five euro a day. Isn't that fantastic? And that includes soup and a main course. Isn't that brilliant? And all dietary needs are catered for. If you are living in any of those villages and are interested in getting involved, Donnerail, Drumahan, Ballyclaw, Killavollen, New Tupac House, you're asked to contact Sheila at 085 241 That's 085 241 That's Mallow Meals on Wheels and continue. Good luck, as I say, to all of the people involved with uh, Meals on Wheels right across the city and county who are going above and beyond during this uh, COVID-19 uh, crisis. Now, earlier we had somebody on to us. If I can find the person's text to say, it was Mary, wasn't it, to say she had a query about the winning streak game. She has a winning streak and she has a number of three stars. Or she has a number of tickets with three stars on it, but they're not recording the programme anymore because of the virus and she doesn't know what to do with her tickets. So we made contact with the National Lottery on Mary's behalf and they say, as a result and with great regret, they've taken the decision to cancel the remaining seven winning streak TV game shows as under current circumstances they believe it's unsafe to have players and audience travel and to congregate to play the games so the five players who were due to play on the last Saturday in March the second last Saturday in March the 21st they've already been contacted and they will get the opportunity to play and win prizes on winning streak but that's only when circumstances return to normal and the programme is back on TV. And they say, in addition, for those players in possession of winning streak scratch cards with three star prizes, which is what our Mary contacted us about, the message to you is continue to send those into the National Lottery and at a date in the future, they will select five entries from all received to take part in what they're calling a catch-all draw and then they will also have a draw for a final cruise draw winner. They've also advised all of their retail partners, all of the shops and businesses who sell scratch cards to remove the winning streak tickets from sale and they've done that since the end of March 28th of March players will have until the 10th of August to claim a prize on that game okay so if you have any of the three stars I'm going to take it if they've gone since the 28th of March nobody's buying those tickets at the moment it's only people that had the three stars at home send them in and good luck Mary with us let us know how you get on if you win a prize or not but just send them in yeah and then to anybody else who has tickets where you've got a one in cash prize on it you have until the 10th of uh, August Hi Trish this is by text welcome back thank you very much Uh, what happened with your flight when you were meant to go on holidays last week did you get a refund or a voucher I'm in the same situation as you thanking you. I, because my flight got cancelled, I was due to fly. I was going for Easter, so I was going the Saturday, the 11th of April, and flying back last Saturday. I was going for the week. I had to, I ended up contacting them in the end because I was told I was going to get an email. It was Aer Lingus I was flying with. They had been sending me emails offering me a voucher or offering for me to transfer my flight to another date, which there was no point. I had, we've no way of knowing when we'll be back flying and when we'll be back leaving this country so transferring to another date wasn't an option so the voucher option I talked around with but I said no I still don't know when I'm going to be travelling again so I said I'd hold out and see whether the flight get cancelled the flight did get cancelled and I have applied for a refund have I received the refund? No <laughs> I've sent off for the refund and I got acknowledgement to say that they've received the email and that's it I will be waiting I'm assuming they have a lot of refunds to get through so I will wait I will let you know when I receive the refund 
I don't know for others who have been looked for a refund. You can only get a refund when the flight was actually cancelled. I'm assuming weeks, maybe even months before I will get the money back. And I must check in with uh, Sadie who was answering. I can see her. She's on a call at the moment. So I can't ask her now because she was due to fly. She was going on a Ryanair flight. She was going away for Easter as well. I think she was going to Spain on holidays. I know she got a refund on her hotel and she'd applied for a refund from Ryanair. But I half heard her in a conversation with John Paul in the office while I was in another office this morning with social distancing uh, here at work as well. And I'm sure I heard her say that they're not offering refunds so I'll, I'll check in with her but that was with Ryanair I was with Aer Lingus and as of now I've been told I could apply for a refund and I have applied but as I say how long I will wait I don't know 1850 we were talking about the Bulgarians coming over to Keeling's to pick the strawberries and the rest of the fruit. Marion Roscarby says, wouldn't it be a good idea to have a Bulgarian national on your programme this week to explain more about their country, their culture and their economy? She'd be just interested to hear what life is like in Bulgaria. If anybody knows, any Bulgarian listening to us as to what life is like in Bulgaria that would prompt people to say that for a period of time, I don't know how many months they come over for, but they come for a period of time. I'm assuming they're here now for the summer season. Is that how long they would be here? That you would come and do what is deemed, you know, quite backbreaking work, picking raspberries and strawberries and I don't know what other fruit that they have. Uh, if there is any Bulgarian who would like to share with us their views on what it is like in their own country, what's their culture like, what's their economy, lo- economy like, that they would want to come to this country to pick fruit instead. And somebody who's interested in picking fruit is a West Cork listener to say, Hi Patricia, I think if I was on the 30, 350 euro a week, that's the COVID-19 uh, payment, then certainly I think I'd be staying at home. I wouldn't be rushing out to be a fruit picker. But, says this texture, I have zero income. Our welfare at present I'd love to be able to pick, pick fruit or vegetables. Is there anyone in West Cork looking for fruit pickers or vegetable pickers? Because we have somebody and we have the person's telephone number. Somebody would be interested if anybody knows of any work. I mean, the job in Keelings is County Dublin. It would be too far away for this particular listener. But willing to work in the West Cork area, fruit picking or picking vegetables. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can somebody offer advice? We need somebody, a painter, I suppose, to tell us this. Hi, uh, Trish, could you please ask your listeners, can I paint a timber railings now here in April or is it too early to paint it? Timber railings, I would have thought. Is that not something that could be painted all year round? Completely, I would never have thought that there has to be a time of the year. I suppose a lot of that work is done in the summer months, is what you're saying. But with time in your hands, you're ready to go out and paint. So can anybody tell us, please, a painting expert, is it okay to paint timber railings in April? Or is this listener better off waiting until we get into the more traditional summer months, maybe waiting until May, June or July? So timber railings. And there's another really interesting call in to us from a listener about birds. Can anybody help us with this? It's from Anne in Ballygarvan. Thanks for your call, Anne, who says she describes having a green-breasted bird. Now, unfortunately, I don't have a photograph of this green-breasted bird, but it's come more than one, coming to the windows of our house every day and tapping on the windows. Now, they're tapping on the windows because they can see their own reflection. Isn't that why birds do that? Anyway, so they started on the French door, landing on the door handle, tapping away. They're also doing it with the car, 
we have just painted the outside of the house and they're now starting to poo all over the outside of the house so they're now becoming it's becoming a bit of a problem but Anne's dilemma is and what has her scratching her head she's been living in the same house for the last 30 years and she has never seen these birds before or never had this situation with birds tapping on her window she's wondering does anybody know why what are these birds and why would they suddenly be doing it she said they're smaller than a robin and she describes them as being green breasted can anybody tell us can anybody identify the bird please and tell us why all of a sudden with Anne in Ballygarvan there for 30 years why have they not been tapping on her window before now if anybody can help us with that please do 1850 at 333103 also coming in to us oh this is one Actually, we, I saw this on the papers today, so I wasn't surprised to get a call in about it. Cathy was on to us enraged to think that prisoners are getting access to Netflix and asks, is it us, the taxpayer, that are funding Netflix to prisoners in jail? Cathy and her husband work six days a week. They don't have any pay for subscription TV or any streaming service. Why? They simply can't afford it. They save all the money that they have to pay the bills just to keep the roof over their heads. And she said, so it really maddened her to hear that Irish prisoners are now getting Netflix streamed into their jail cells. Now, I know we put it up on our Facebook page today. Now, I haven't seen the response but John Paul tells me that some are saying that Cathy doesn't have too much to be worried if she's only worried about prisoners having Netflix while others agreed with her and uh, others are saying yeah they struggle to pay the bills even in normal times outside of COVID-19 and others are annoyed that prisoners are getting Netflix streamed in too. They can binge on movies and series for 12 hours a day. That's according to an article that's in the sort in the Irish Independent. I don't know if it's in the other papers or not and the reason behind it was the decision to roll out the Netflix streaming service is part of a range of measures after the prison visits were cancelled due to the COVID-19 outbreak. A spokesperson for the Irish Prison Service says during the current COVID-19 crisis, the level of constructive activity and out-of-cell time for prisoners is greatly reduced. The prison education centres, for example, have all closed in line with government directives and several cohorts of people in custody are now being held in isolation are they cocooned if they're over 70 or they've got, or they've got a health issue going on or else they've been quarantined in their cells to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The Irish Prison Service has put in place a facility whereby prison management can broadcast films, programmes or series from Netflix to a single additional channel on the in-cell television. But I think what's important to point out is the Netflix service that's been introduced to inmates. It's controlled by staff inside the jail rather than the prisoners themselves. But I don't think Cathy's, um, uh, that hasn't, uh, that doesn't matter to Cathy or not. She's just annoyed that she pays her taxes, she works hard and that she's at home with her husband and she can't afford Netflix. And you break the rules, you break the laws in this country and you go to jail and you're now in jail and because they're locked up because of the COVID-19 restrictions they are all getting net uh, flicks and somebody else is making the point what about people cocooning they're almost locked up in their their homes is the Irish taxpayer paying Netflix for all of the over 70s and cocooning would that not be a good idea it would indeed 1850 your thoughts welcomed on that on the Irish prison uh, service and Netflix being streamed into jail cells and then the the other issue that we're getting commentary in on today and I don't know 
we're hoping to get to the vintners tomorrow. I don't know if we're getting to them uh, or not, but we certainly will talk with them at some stage during the week. The Licensed Vintners Association are saying thousands of pubs will be out of business by Christmas if they're told to close that long. And the reason that this has all come to light is the Health Minister, Simon Harris, said at the weekend. It was an interview actually he did for the Sunday Independent yesterday. He said he doesn't see how people can gather in a crowded pub or a club without being vaccinated against coronavirus. And as we know, a vaccine is not expected to be ready for at least a year. So basically what Simon Harris was intimating about was that pubs in this country will certainly not open until 2021. And obviously vintners and publicans reacted to that saying, if we have to wait, if we're not ready to open and we lose a full year's trading, then they're saying, some pubs may never reopen. So the suggestion has been mooted that when pubs do reopen to help the pubs get back on track that there would be an extra euro put on every pint. And I think for restaurants it was suggested that for every meal there would be an extra tenner a kind of a a COVID back payment kind of a thing to publicans and to restaurateurs. But anyway a number of people are commenting on would you pay an extra euro on your pint if and when the pubs reopen. Rose says absolutely would not pay any more. She said to be honest it doesn't bother me as I'm only an occasional drinker so I drink at home and I do it for a fraction of the price. Peter says surely pubs with beer gardens and pubs that have outside space and many do when we change the way the ban on smoking many of outside areas surely they should be allowed to open and people will be outside and if they were big enough areas you could do social distancing Richard said a reduction in alcohol tax or other taxes within hospitality that would be the way to go um, when, and that surely would help the, to boost the sector it would create more jobs and more money in the economy instead of making it only accessible for the more privileged if you add a euro per pint that's what you do it's only the very privileged would be able to afford the drink Steve said this whole suggestion doesn't make sense to me the publicans make very little out of the price of a pint most of it goes to the taxman maybe drop the tax on the pint and that would be a way of getting money back into the industry Dahi says the rest of us will be struggling as well when COVID-19 is all behind us. So I, he said, wouldn't be able to afford it. I said, I can't afford it at the current price, let alone if he decided to add an extra euro. And Greta says, I won't be able to pay extra for drink in a pub. I barely get out as it is or before the restrictions came in. So it would be a big no for me. OK, that's just a sample of some of the commentary that we've in on that particular uh, issue. Uh, 1850 333 103. Stephen in says, I travelled to Cope in Toker. This is the piece that we did with um, Avril. Um, who uh, spoke to us, Avril Keating, who spoke to us about the COPE Foundation and how they're coping at the moment. So Stephen says, I travelled to COPE in Togar and I miss it at the moment due to the restrictions. I miss the chat and the banter that we all have, but I know I will return again in uh, time. Well done, uh, Stephen. That's the way I keep really, really positive about it all. And of course, it isn't just the COPE Foundation. St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville and Coaction in uh, West Cork and in Able Ireland. All of the day 
facilities or the day workshops have all uh, closed. I mean, it, it, it's a huge, huge issue for so many families, uh, particularly as they're trying to struggle to explain to people who attend these facilities why they can't go. People within, some people with intellectual disability certainly will be finding it hard uh, to understand what is going on. Uh, Timothy has been on to us about the birds. He says it's a Tommy Blue Tit bird. Okay, so when we were saying it's a green chest, it's obviously it's a lightish blue. Blue tits will go to the window in the morning. They collect the bugs in the cobwebs. So Timmy is reckoning that's what's going on with, was it Anne, Anne in Ballygarvan? She says it's a green-breasted bird. It's probably a blue tit. I didn't think of that. It's got a kind of a greeny hue off it. It's probably a blue. If Anne in Ballygarvan could get a picture into us. But anyway, but isn't it interesting if it is a blue tit tapping on the window? Isn't it strange that she's been living there for 30 years and that they've never come near her and all of a sudden that they're doing it now? Would anybody have an explanation? Would want some expert on birds as to why they're doing it now? when they weren't doing it for the last 30 years it does seem very very strange uh, indeed 1850 we are looking please for your questions for Annalise if you have a question a nutritional question get it in to us you can call either John Paul or Sadie at 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Jack and Jill Children's Foundation, they're appealing for donations to enable them to continue with their support for families. They're asking people to please donate just four euro by texting the words We Care to 50300 or give whatever you can through the jackandjill.ie website. Every 16 euro donated provides a family with one hour of nursing home support from the Jack and Jill team who do the most amazing work. Members of Kinsale Voluntary Group, they're available to help people in the Kinsale area who are cocooning or who feel isolated at the moment. If you're in need of anything, please contact Kinsale Guard the station on 021 477 who will then put you in contact with the volunteer group. We mentioned Mallow Meals on Wheels. We'll do do Dunmanway Meals on Wheels. They're continuing to deliver meals to the older members of their community. They're also delivering in the Ballinine, Enniskeen and Drina League areas. If anybody wants to avail of Meals on Wheels or if you need your shopping done and delivered, give them a call on 023 8868 110. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And just on the birds, we're trying to get to the end of what's going on with Anne in Ballygarvel and the birds tapping on her window. Somebody said, I read somewhere that small birds are hungry at the moment and they need food. So maybe if Anne put out some bird feeders that would distract the birds from tapping on her window. Maybe it's maybe that they're it's that they're actually looking for food. And to the listener who was looking for advice on the painting of the railings in April, somebody says is saying, yeah, a 
April is too early. Paint timber work the end of the summer. It needs to be completely dry and all the moisture needs to be gone from it. So way too early to be painting it in April. Thank you for the advice there. And John in Blackpool says, Patricia, a bit of advice. I'm due to get the an internet connection into my house as I'm cocooning. Is it safe to let the workmen into my home? Absolutely. Absolutely. They will be following very strict guidelines themselves. They're obviously part of essential uh, workers. You won't be anywhere. You'll be two metres apart and all of that. So don't be worried about it, uh, John. And the internet for you for cocooning is so important to you. You won't know yourself when you get onto the uh, internet. Now, we were all very saddened, I think, to hear the news uh, this morning of the death of two residents at Clonakilty Community Hospital and also to hear that other residents have tested positive for COVID-19 as indeed have some members of staff. I mentioned when I was speaking with Fiona Corkham that it is this the Clonakilty Community Hospital is just held in such high esteem by people in the Clonakilty and surrounding areas. So I wasn't surprised to hear that a fundraiser has been started. And Claire joins me to tell me a little bit more about this. Good morning to you, Claire. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Uh, and, and I'm very well. I'm right in saying, aren't I, the Clonakilty Community Hospital, it's just Mount Carmel. It's held in such high regard by people locally. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you know, I'm a nurse myself in Cork and I've been talking to a few of the nurses here um, in Clan lately and they're just doing fantastic work. Like they're coming in on overtime and they're, it's really hard for them. They they know these patients, they know their families, they know their histories and, you know, it, it's just so, so sad now, you know, on, on everyone, like what's what's happening. But I know they're, they're really looking after people so well and they're in such, such contact with families. I've heard that from families of members who are positive up there that, you know, they're constantly updating them and um, like it's it's just such reassurance for the families to hear that, you know. Because that's really difficult because all of these facilities and indeed all hospitals, you know, the, the, the strict no visitor rules and for family members, you don't want to be ringing every day because the staff are under pressure as it is, that it is difficult, isn't it, to keep that communication going? Well, it is. And it's, you know, when you've got all the PPE on and trying to take a phone call and, you know, if someone's in a room with your loved one and, you know, they, they contact you, you know, for an update. But generally speaking, you know, in, in the acute setting and in residential settings, I hope people are kind of happy enough with the level of communication they're getting, you know, because yeah. you know, I suppose before this, it would have been a case of we can't give you that kind of information over the phone, but we're just kind of changing things now with as as times are changing you know but okay. um so you, so you heard about the, the the sad deaths and the fact that yeah. you know we have some residents test positive and members as well and we're thinking of all of them uh, today and as you say particularly their families so you decided to launch a fundraiser yeah well it only took 2 seconds now to set up the piece okay. but it's just for you know anything even you know it could be essential ppe for staff it could be something not essential that just might bring comfort to someone who's maybe recovering from COVID-19, hopefully, or someone who maybe is approaching end of life, unfortunately, as a result of this virus. But anything, I suppose, with the staff there, the money will be donated straight to the settings, whether it's Clan Hospital or if, if there are outbreaks in any other residential settings in the area. Um, it will be used at whatever the staff feel would be um, appropriate at the time, you know. And I, I know people are, you know, people just want to do something. People are at home and there's so many people in the area that have had such lovely experiences with relatives in and in town hospital. And it's just such a, like it is, it is these people's homes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and they become yeah. like a little, they are a family. Oh, they are like, they're, 
you know, it's just so, it's amazing. Like, they have their care plans, they look back and, you know, their their occupations during their life, you know, they're, it's just amazing. And the staff are all coming together up there now and they're just doing whatever they can. People are changing roles, you know, people are being redeployed down there and everyone is just pulling together like it's well done. And this this fantastic. is just, this is a way, and, and because at a time like this, people feel there's nothing I can do, you know, you can't yeah. rush to the hospital and help them out in any no, way. So that's why I think you know. a fundraiser like this is important. Here's a, a here's an example of a, of a text in to say, uh, we'd just like to say the staff at Clonakilty Community Hospital are the most amazing people in the world. Every one yeah. of them go above and beyond the call of duty every single day of the week. Every resident yeah. is treated as part of the family that Clonakilty is. Us as a family have had experience of this over the last few years and we could not thank them enough uh, just to say to all of them stay safe and thanks for everything and people saying we're thinking of everybody at uh, Clonakilty uh, Hospital. Okay so Claire, how can people donate? Um, so there's a GoFundMe page. I think you're going to put it up on your, um, your on, on, social media. Yeah, we'll put there, it up yeah. on our Facebook page if people yeah. want to donate. And I can send the link via maybe email or the, my own email is clearart.gmail.com. You can put that up or um, maybe via your own email as well. I can send you the okay. link. And, okay. Um, and it's just to try and raise, like, raise yeah. a bit of money and then we'll let the staff decide. They'll know what's exactly. best. Exactly. They'll yeah. know only too well, yeah, what, what will be needed. And, you know, I know it's a difficult time for people financially as well. So there, there is no pressure at all. But if, if someone's out there and they feel they want to do something or donate something and at least then maybe the management can decide what will be done with it now or, or you know in the coming weeks or yeah. months Yeah you know? and and can I dare say something for the staff as well let's oh, give a little yeah. bit of comfort to the staff they're doing the, the oh, most, most, most amazing and work and they need yeah. to be they need to be minded tough they time do. Claire it's a it's tough so. time to be a nurse isn't it? Or it in, is, in any know, of the healthcare professions but it's, for nurses yeah. in particular it's just a tough time well, it is, and it's a tough time for a lot of people. It's a tough time for people working in a post office. It's a tough time for people, you know, who there's, there's a lot of people still going to work. And, you know, sometimes I suppose I'm in, I work in CUH. We're seeing a lot of a lot of very reassuring things. A lot of people, you know, because we are slowing down this virus, slowing down the transmission, people are getting their intensive care. People that, you know, go into intensive care are coming out after getting maybe two to three weeks of, um, nursing up there, you know, like medical, um, the best of medical care. And, um, you know, a lot of people are doing well. A lot of people we didn't expect to do well. Um, just, I suppose, another thing, a lot of people are coming in, leaving things go too long, chest infections, urinary infections, you know. So just reminding people, I suppose, I know people, you know, that is being said in the media, and just remind people if they are sick to just, um, you know, contact your GP or contact the hospital and, you know, get, get treatment early. If you're, you know, people with chest pain, anything, don't let it go too late, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the other yeah. thing, and we're flattening the yeah. curve. We're, you know, we're we, we haven't the had the peak, thank God, and know, hopefully we never will. Hopefully we never will. Yeah, and I just this is what Simon Harris is saying now in the last year or two is just not to get complacent. You know, it's great. I'm stopped. You know, nine days out of ten that I go to work, I'm stopped by the guards once, if not twice, yeah. and um, great to see that and. It's just to be aware, I suppose, like if you are out for your exercise, you know, maybe in built up areas, you know, not to be, you know, stopping talking to each other within, you know, whatever, about outside the two metres. But, you know, sometimes you just see people with elbows in and driver's seat windows and it's just a bit unnerving, you know, just, I think, you know, if anything feels like a risk to you, just don't do it. If there's anything in your head saying, you know, there there is a little bit of risk involved in this to your own health, if someone else says, just say, no, this isn't worth it, or... If you feel someone is 
you know, maybe potentially a risk to you if they're just calling and you feel like, you know, you can't say it, just just say it, you know, we're all at work, we're all friends with yours and we're, you know, we're on break, someone might be just come a bit too close to you and you're saying, look, do you mind? You yeah. know, and I don't yeah. think anyone's taking offence and that's just the way we need to go with it now is, you know, just say it. You know, yeah, and you can already see it in, in supermarkets. I mean, I mentioned yeah. earlier, we're, we're getting used now to queuing outside a supermarket. Did we ever see the day that we'd be queuing outside a supermarket? But you yeah. can see people are very respectful when they're inside as they well. Are, you yeah. know, you wait and you know what I mean? And it's just, it. it's it's our new normal. Just get used it to is, it and it won't yeah. be forever. That's it. It won't be forever. It will end and, you know, it won't end any time too soon, I suppose. No, if we're, re- no. we're just realistic about that keep doing what we're doing in the long term it's going to be worth it but okay and listen well done to you for setting up this oh, fund fundraiser good. and pass on our best yeah. wishes when yeah. you're speaking to any of the nurses or any of the staff at Clonakid Community Absolutely. Hospital yeah. we're thinking of them okay. all thanks Claire thanks a million bye bye Thank thanks you. for that and we will put that up on our Facebook page it is a GoFundMe page if anybody would like to donate just to offer some bit of comfort and to make things as comfortable as possible for everybody at Clonakid Hospital because they're going through a tough, tough time at the moment. Lots of people are on about the birds that we spoke about earlier and Anne in Dungarvan having these she says green and we're wondering now are they blue tits or not because somebody has said that it's it's a green, what it sounds like it's a green finch that that lady is describing because if it is a green finch they come into my garden says this listener and they feed on a peanut feeder so maybe if she could do that it would stop them tapping on her window windows and obviously is she just painted the outside of the house and they're pooing as well. Lots of people are saying that they're hungry. You need to leave out food. Graham in Newcastle West said the birds are simply seeing their reflection in the mirror and in the window and that's why they are doing it. Even though what we're querying is why for the first time in 30 years she's lived in that house has never happened before. Teresa said this is back on blue tits. She has two little blue tits that sit on her car every day looking at themselves in the mirror. She's ended up having to cover the mirrors in her car to stop them from pooing all over her car has anybody had the same problem but you see you know exactly what's going on they're, they're seeing their reflection a lot of people are saying that it's to do with the reflection Mary and Balinhasic said same thing happened to me for years I feel the birds see the reflection on the window and they're tapping at themselves uh, in the end I put up slates on the window sills so they couldn't see their reflection uh, even though it was a sight for sore eyes, but it did actually work. It's kind of, I suppose, the lesser of two evils. Can you say a happy 40th birthday to Teresa and John Paul in Bantry from all of their family? I don't know if they're twins or not, but happy birthday, Teresa and John Paul having a special birthday today. And someone else was on by... I don't know if it's WhatsApp or not. Now, there's so many different calls coming in, but somebody is on about a wedding. Can I find that one? Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, hi, Patricia. As regards social distancing, is there anything being said about what will be the position with weddings later on in the year? Would you to get married on the October bank holiday weekend? Oh, OK, so many weddings have been cancelled to date. Nothing as of yet. And I, I suppose if you're not hearing anything from the church or the venue then you organise as is for now. It'll all depend on where we are with COVID-19 and where we are with the COVID-19 restrictions. For example, we've contacted the Diocese of Cork and Ross. We've also got on to Cloyne because people are asking us about First Holy Communions and confirmations. Well, confirmations 
we'd be nearly, we'd be right in the middle of confirmations now, wouldn't we, in, in normal times? Anyway, Cork and Ross have got back to us and they say that the current government restrictions on all public gatherings are in place until the bank holiday weekend, May the 5th. Parishes and dioceses implement those public health measures according to what the government say. Nobody knows, they say, what will unfold in the coming weeks. But first, Holy Communion ceremonies and the remaining confirmation ceremonies will not take place while the government restri- restrictions on public gatherings remain in place. If there is any change in such guidance, parishes and the diocese will review the matters, matters at that point. And that also, of course, includes weddings, funerals um, and baptisms. So as of now, but they're waiting until, let's see what happens on May 5th. Let's see if there will be any easing of the restrictions, which we're expecting. And then obviously there will be restrictions will remain in place until a certain period of time. So it's like looking into a crystal ball as to whether your wedding is going to go ahead or not. And that's a very, very, and, and I know that's not the answer that you're looking for. And it's hard to plan for something that you don't know if it's going to happen or not. I did see a nurse uh, from somewhere up the country on the paper today in a photograph of her in her scrubs, in her her uniform. Uh, and She's meant to be getting married. I think it was on Saturday she was meant to be getting married and instead she turned up for work. Obviously her wedding has been cancelled. Any of the weddings around now uh, are completely being cancelled but as of yet you just have to hang in there and wait and see what will happen with the restrictions. 1850 we're going to take a break and Annalise Drissel our nutritional therapist will join us if you have a question for Annalise uh, you can call us or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court Today on C103 With Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September Plan your future education See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. On C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Annalise Drussell, hopefully at the end of this phone line. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're, you're very welcome. How are you doing? Very good, thank you, yeah. yeah. Um, managing, it's very strange times. Very yeah. strange. Um, it's very quiet. I miss the buzz of the little cafes next to me in the restaurants and, um, you know, during the day. But look, you know, we're well and healthy, so we've a lot to be grateful for. That's it. That's it, exactly. OK, let's get straight into questions. Eileen was um, suffering from a macular degeneration and what she describes as cobwebs in her eyes. So she describes it. I'm not quite sure what she means by that. Is it something that she could take to help with eyesight? So macular degeneration is hereditary, Patricia. There's two types. There's wet and dry macular degeneration and um I think it's the, the dry macular is the more common one. The best thing really is prevention. You need to be taking something like um, lutein is the main thing. And actually even um, ophthalmologists um, will recommend that you take this to prevent macular degeneration. Also, the omega-3 fats are fantastic. What happens is that the cells at the back of the eye uh, become damaged. So you get a, a damage and a kind of an, a hazing of your, per, your, your central vision. So your peripheral stays okay, but it's in the, when you look straight on at something, it starts getting hazy. And in very extreme cases, you actually lose the sight entirely. So, you know, you can only see the surrounds. So taking lutein, you'll get it in your local pharmacy or your local health store. Um, explain to them that you've got macular degeneration. There's a very common one called MACU Shield, M-A-C-U, Shield, S-H-I-E-L-D, comes in a yellow box. And if you take that with an omega-3, the omega-3s will keep all of the lovely blood vessels that nourish the back of the eye healthy and flexible, and they'll keep the blood lovely and thin. Um to nourish the eye again. So a combination of the two of those is the best thing. But if you've got macular degeneration, make sure everybody in the family gets tested because it's better to prevent. You can take the lutein many years before symptoms will ever appear. It'll put off the degeneration of the back of the eye. Okay, a balancholic listener says, Patricia, could you please ask Annalise, is it true that taking bread soda every day will keep COVID-19 virus away? Thanking you. The amount of urban myths, Annalise, going yes, around about the coronavirus. I know, and I'm a good fan of bread soda now for many, okay. many things, but unfortunately, no. And actually, there is nothing that will prevent the coronavirus, not even a natural remedy that prevents it. What you can best do is support your immune system so that if you come in contact with the virus, your immune system is like a very efficient army and wipes it out before it can cause too many symptoms. And then you'll become immune to that virus and you won't get it again. So that's the ideal. Unfortunately, bread soda is not one of those. Bread soda most commonly would be used actually to um, neutralize an acid stomach. So if you're feeling a bit lurgy or a bit acidy, taking bread soda can help neutralize the acid. Most commonly would be used for that. I use it a lot at home for cleaning as well. It's wonderful for polishing. Great for cleaning. uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's a great one out in the garden for the slugs don't like it. 
So many reasons to use it, but unfortunately, not for COVID nineteen. Okay, hi Patricia. Could you ask Annalise if you're taking a statin? What time of the day should you take magnesium? So it shouldn't um, interfere massively with the statin. But I'm always, I always say to my customers, if you're taking medication, leave about an hour before you take any natural remedy. And the main reason being is that it's not that they're toxic together, but when you take um, a pharmaceutical drug, it's um, been, the research has been done on the amount that makes it through the liver and gets out to the other side to be effective. So it's best to take it away from any natural remedies in case it would speed up your liver's ability to detoxify and get rid of the drug. You mightn't be getting the high dose that you need out the other side of your liver. So wait at least an hour. But my favourite time to take magnesium is at night time. And the reason being is it can interfere with calcium absorption if you take it in a high amount. Um, so if you don't take it in the daytime, you'll have absorbed all the calcium that your body needs from your diet. And if you take it at night, it's great for relaxing out the muscles and relaxing the body. And some people swear by it for a great sleep and it won't interfere with calcium absorption at that time. Hi, Annalise, says another listener. Any cures or tips for constipation while having PCOS and IBS? Oh, so that's a really complex um um, set of complaints there because IBS, I, I don't believe that, you know, IBS is a thing. I believe that there is something causing it, either um, an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut. Maybe you've picked up a parasite. Maybe, maybe you've damaged the balance with medication or maybe it's inflammation caused by food intolerances. So that would probably be the root cause of the constipation. Most people think with IBS you get diarrhea. Actually, Patricia, I find it's the other way around. Most people actually get constipation. So trying to sort that out would be really important, and that would benefit with the PCOS. Now, polycystic ovaries is a hormonal disorder, and there's a strong link with insulin as well, which is blood sugar and blood sugar management. There's lots of natural remedies that can help, but you'd need help from a proper professional nutritional therapist, um, our nutritionist that would help you get the diet right because it's about managing your insulin and blood sugars and that will have a knock-on effect then on the hormone imbalance of PCOS. Okay, hi, says another a listener. Uh, this is a caller with a judenal, judenal ulcer. You suggested on a previous slot slippery alum and mastic gum, but it wasn't any good. Would you have any other advice? Okay, so um, then in that case, um, you see, the, the thing with an ulcer, Patricia, is that there's so many different causes. One of the most common causes is um, an infection with Helicobacter pylori. Now, we all have that bug in our gut, uh, but most of, it keep, most of us keep it under very small numbers and it can cause damage. But it can set up shop in the mucus-producing cells of your stomach and it damages those so they cannot produce mucus and therefore you don't have that nice thick lining uh, of mucus protecting your stomach cells and when you eat then the acid releases will cause irritation and over time cause ulcers so it's important to make sure that that's not the cause of your ulcer because if it is you need antibiotic treatment there's nothing else really is as effective as that then if it's not down to the helicobacter pylori it could be maybe stress related so there the key is managing your stress Slippery elm will definitely help protect the stomach and mastic gum can be good to heal the ulcer. But in this case, if it's not working, there is something else that's causing problems. Um, another one to suggest could be something like zinc carnosine. That does help to support the mucus-producing cells in the stomach. 
So you could take something like that and see what it work. But at this point, I think probably medical intervention is required. Hi, could Annalise suggest something for joint pain caused because of letrozole hormone therapy? So now, yes, I'm not sure what that, is. that hormone therapy is. I wonder, is that a, a, an estrogen blocker? It could be that might be something like that, Patricia. Actually, a lot of the time women will notice as well in menopause when estrogen drops, they get sore joints. It's quite common. Um, if the side effect of the drug, of, you know, obviously the only solution is to get rid of the drug. In this case, it's probably not possible. So supporting the joints maybe with things like um, collagen would be very good and taking a natural anti-inflammatory. So one of my favourite supplements is an, an Irish company, Revive Active. They do a joint complex and there's lots of lovely things in there to support your joints and other and, and actually for your bones as well. So it does both your joints for the, the collagen and cartilage and your bones. Um, it's the Revive Active joint complex and it comes in sachet form. So taking something like that might help. But also you could take something like a natural anti-inflammatory the turmeric extract, generally, people will find works very well as a natural anti-inflammatory. And there's loads of joint tablets in, that you'll find in your local health shop have turmeric as an ingredient. Um, Salgar 7 is one that I get reports back on, good reports back on all the time for inflammation and pain in joints. And there's seven different ingredients in there to support your joints. So something like that would probably work in that case. Um, and that would apply to people with menopause symptoms as well. Uh, but with menopause symptoms, it's more about managing your hormones. So you can take uh, menopause plant-based estrogens that are natural. In this case, with this drug, it's not suitable. So don't go down that road. OK, hi. Question for Annalise. I'm on a cardio lipitar and an aspirin. I'm suffering from mouth ulcers. I'm getting them a lot lately. And I have noticed I have a problem with one tooth. Could it be the tooth is causing the mouth ulcers? Are they linked in any way? It could be, I suppose. It depends whether or not the tooth is snagging against the skin of the uh, of the gums and causing, you know, you know, causing a little cut that turns into a mouth ulcer. Mouth ulcers are they're not complicated, but there can be a few different reasons, Patricia, why people suffer from mouth ulcers. Um, it could be that you're reacting to sodium lauryl sulfate, which is a common foaming agent that they put into toothpaste. And actually, for most people that come into the shop, when I switch them over to a non-sodium lauryl sulfate toothpaste, that's good enough to solve the problem. I'm also a big fan of um, toothbrushes called mouth watchers. I have them here in the shop. And they're impregnated with colloidal silver. And that's wonderful for um, brushing your teeth. Actually, I'm not great at flossing, I'll be honest, but my dentist always praises my flossing skills. And I think it's down to the silver in the toothbrush. I think it keeps the gums very, very healthy. So switch to a natural toothpaste. Try and get uh, the mouth watcher's toothbrush that's uh, impregnated with the colloidal silver. And if you can't get that by colloidal silver, it comes in bottles or you can get it in a spray and spray that around the area of the the mouth ulcers. It's great for pain management and it also prevents them from becoming infected. Um, So that would be for everybody who would suffer from mouth ulcers. I would try those things. In this case, it could be a side effect of the medication as well. So taking a supplement called coenzyme Q10, so that's spelled C-O-enzyme, E-N-Z-Y-M-E, Q10. Um, you'll get it in any health shop, and that will help balance out the negative side effects of the statin drug. And some people find when they take that, 
not only do the mouth ulcers disappear, but they'll notice that their hair and their nails and everything is growing much better. Any muscle pain will um, that is associated with the statin drugs, that should disappear. And if you're feeling any bit tired from taking the drug, the statin drug as well, it should improve energy. Okay. Hi, um, Annalise. I contacted you a few weeks ago and you suggested uh, Dr. Delish Clare for vaginal irritation. Um, I've tried a few health shops, no joy. So, Dr. Clare, <coughs> excuse me, Dr. Clare products wouldn't be, I but suppose, in all the different health shops. I have it here in the shop, so she can call on 021-481-0110 and I can arrange to post it out. Okay. Or she can go on to Dr. Clare's website, which is, um, if she Googles Dr. Dealish Clare, um, I think it's Dr. Clare Apothecary is the name of the website. It'll come up and she can order it online. And she, yeah, because she, she certainly does online one. And this is this is a, a, a question when I saw it, it made me smile. It's from Eileen in Clonakilty saying, Hi, question for Annalise, please. What oils could I add to my burner to keep the house smelling happy? <laughs> that's yes. a real individual to what isn't it what, it is what smell makes you happy what would you suggest well do you know what um, I think th- it's a good question but it really there are ones that really lift your spirits okay. so um, Absolute Aromas are a lovely company that make blends and there's different ones that you can take you can put in your burner for different moods so there's one a de-stress one that I'm a big fan of and that has got jasmine bergamot and lavender you can get a daybreak one that awakens the senses. You can get an energizing refresh one. Um, there's lots of different ones. So if you can find a, 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 those in a health shop, um, they're wonderful because they're lovely blends. But single ones on their own, I'm always a big fan of rosemary, Patricia. Yeah. Even if just you wave it underneath your nose, it immediately improves concentration and focus. So burning rosemary is great for a happy house. Always lemon and orange are lovely, uplifting ones. And lavender is a great relaxer. So any of those would work well. And I have to throw in my favourite nag shampa. Oh, yeah. Love the smell of that. Well, yeah. Love Absolutely. the smell of that. And that's yeah. just an individual one. OK, we'll leave there, Annalise. Have a great week. We'll talk next Monday. Thank, Thank you, you for Patricia. that. Thanks for joining us. That's Annalise Russell, um at the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls uh, today. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Nick Richards is next. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie C103 Anthems C103 Anthems Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7 Cork's Greatest Hits C103 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.